Will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we live in a world that is so full of distraction and pain and hopelessness. Lord, thank you for meeting us here, for sending Jesus to be our Emmanuel, for bringing us on the path to Bethlehem and beyond, the path of hope that even comes through suffering. Lord, tune our hearts to this good news. Open our eyes to see hope all around us and help us to share it with the people around us for the sake of your kingdom reign. Through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Today we're talking about hope on this path to Bethlehem. What are you hoping for for Christmas? Beyond presents and family get-togethers and way too much Christmas music on the radio that started the day after Thanksgiving. Do you hope for good grades on your finals? Maybe you're hoping that your doctor will give you a clean bill of health. Perhaps you hope that your kids will finally get their act together, or your uncle will get out of jail before the holidays, or that you don't get in the same big argument with your in-laws the next time you see them. Is hope just wishing that things will get better someday? It can be hard to have an optimistic attitude when nothing is going the way that you want it to go. Have you ever had one of those weeks where everything you try just seems to fall flat and everything that you're wishing for doesn't happen and everything just seems to go south in a hurry? Max Lucado has a new book out called Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God. And the description says, hope is hard to come by these days. Whether it's heart disease or cancer, job failure or addiction, natural disasters or family disasters, mass murders or mental illness, there are so many reasons to be overwhelmed. Maybe you feel hurt by the past, disappointed by the present, worried about the future. If so, you are not alone. There is hope. You can live with security and purpose. In a world full of instability, we do not need more opinions or hunches. We need the definitive declarations of our mighty and loving God. For every problem in life, Max assures us, God has given us a promise. Hope is not just wishful thinking. The Bible talks about where we find real hope. When you feel weak and weary, Isaiah promises those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
when you feel worried about the future. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When you feel overwhelmed by all the challenges facing our world, whether it's forest fires or hurricanes or earthquakes or war or anything that comes after us, Paul says this in Romans 8, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Advent is a time of waiting. The word Advent means arrival or coming. We are waiting, hoping, and preparing for the one who is coming. The baby in the manger and our triumphant returning Lord. We read from Isaiah today some familiar words used by Handel in the Messiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Today we're going to look at the bigger picture of Isaiah's message. And we'll ask, why is it that we read Isaiah during Advent? And what does his message have to do with us today? This part of Isaiah that we read from this morning, chapter 40 and beyond, was written to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom that was centered around Jerusalem. They had been taken away to Babylon. God had allowed the Babylonians to come in and destroy Jerusalem and take them into captivity because the people had turned away from God. Much of the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is a rebuke. The leaders were looking only to their own pleasure and prosperity. They neglected the poor. They did not take care of the orphans and widows. They took advantage of the downtrodden. The people only gave lip service to God. They relied on their own strength and alliances. They hedged their bets by worshiping other gods as well. They let other things have first say and priority in their lives. Now, of course, that's all stuff that just happened back then, hundreds of years ago. Isn't it? <laughs> Isaiah declares that God wants repentance and justice and compassion. God desires people's faith to make a difference in the lives of others. But he saw none of that in the lives of the Israelites, and it grieved them. He saw, he sees precious little of that in our lives. And it grieves him today. 
As songwriter Michael Card put it, in those days, once more, God took up the pen of pain to write upon their hearts the lesson they had been so slow to learn. God allowed them to experience the consequences of their sin. Their city was left in ruins, and most of the people were carried off into exile. But among Isaiah's words of judgment, there are words of hope. Isaiah 40 begins a long section that is filled with promise. God heard the cries of his people in Babylon. They were in exile for 60 years, but as Isaiah foretold, it wasn't the end of their story. God rescued them and brought them home. Another king named Cyrus the Persian conquered Babylon and allowed the Israelites to go home and rebuild. God brought his people out of exile in Babylon, just like he brought them out of slavery in Egypt hundreds of years earlier. So why are we reading from Isaiah in Advent? Why are we listening to words from this ancient prophet about a long-ago exile? And what does Isaiah have to say to us today? It's important for us to read the prophets, even though they talk about forgotten peoples. How many of you have ever met a Babylonian or a Persian or an Edomite or a Hittite. <laughs> but the prophets speak words of warning that ring true in every age. We need to hear them ourselves. Isaiah and the other prophets call us to repentance, to turn back to God. Don't let the subtle seductions of the world pull you away from the Lord. Live out your faith by honoring God and serving others, working for justice and showing compassion. Empty ritual and religious observances and holiday festivities don't get you extra credit with God. He wants our hearts and lives and allegiance. And every one of us falls short. The prophets are like a mirror that we look into and see how far we have fallen. But mixed in with the prophet's sharp words of warning are words of promise and hope, not just for the exiles in Babylon, but for you and for me. Many of Isaiah's promises point beyond the return to Babylon to a time when God's kingdom will come in its fullness and his peace will cover the earth. Isaiah promises that a Messiah will come who will set all things right. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Now, the Israelites imagined that this Messiah that God would send would be a military hero who would lead them to victory over their enemies. But Isaiah describes a Savior who would be a suffering servant. 
The Messiah would endure pain and even give his life to rescue his people and wipe away their sin. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah urges God's wayward people to turn back to him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Hundreds of years later, after the prophets had stopped speaking, John the Baptist took up the same trumpet and sounded a call to repentance, echoing Isaiah. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Just like God made a way through the wilderness back to their home, a path of hope opened up where John called the people back to God. People wondered if John could be the Messiah. But John said, one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John was pointing to his own close relative, Jesus of Nazareth. In our gospel reading today, we heard how John, while still in his mother Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy when Mary walked into the the door. An angel had told Mary that she too would have a son and that she would name him Jesus. God saves. In Isaiah 49, God says this to the servant he would send to save his people. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God promises that his salvation is not limited to one tribe or a nation. His kingdom encompasses the entire earth. His salvation extends to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Jesus came as a servant savior, to lead his people out of slavery and exile again. He came to free us from slavery to sin and the power of death by taking our suffering upon himself and dying our death. He was born in Bethlehem and walked the path to Calvary and the grave. He gave his life to take away the sins of the world. He rose from the dead and is coming again. Jesus is the one we're waiting for. He is the hope of all the ends of the earth. He delivers us from ourselves. He leads us out of our selfish, wishful thinking into truth and life and hope. Isaiah announced his coming from afar. John prepared his way. This season... We wait 
for the celebration of his birth and his coming again to set all things right. Amen.